Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show. Positively different radio in the morning with the Double L team filling in for the M Factor while Mon is away. Lyle and Lawson. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh man, I am just so thankful that just gearing up for Ethiopia at the moment, we're going to head over there. Super exciting. And it's going to be amazing. Absolutely. Um, can't yeah. wait to uh, meet all the Ethiopian people. So much history, so much heritage, so much background, <laughs> so much uh, Bible connections mm. to make. Yeah, super. It's going to be so good. Amazing. So all right, so um, what are you looking forward to the most about seeing in Ethiopia? I don't really know anything about Ethiopia. Like, legit, I'm just going to rock up. Well, my my because you have no expectations because because for me, I just fly in, preach fifteen days, and leave. Like I'm I'm it's in and no out. No expectations. Bam, you know. Um, I'm sure where we're staying is going to be really nice. Um, I'm not so you, sure. Like for the most, <laughs> is that because we're? I've been talking to Mon regularly. She's just 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 across the border. And she's not. I'm not so sure it's going to be nice. I, I think it, you know. I I'm, I'm holding out hope. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> as long as I've got a bed to sleep on, did you that's see actually, all that matters. Actually, and food Lyle, to put in my belly. Did you see the, the, the list of the rooming? I think so. I did. Yeah, and me and you were together. No, what happened? <laughs> You've got to be joking. It's like I said, if I don't get enough of Lawson already every day. <laughs> Unbelievable. Rough gig. Rough gig. What are you thankful for this morning, Lyle? My tractor. Oh, yeah, your tractor. Absolutely. <laughs> my tractor. <laughs> I don't know why anybody ever lives without a tractor. I, just, Lawson only has half a life. Just, can, just, just put this out there. Can I just point out? Lawson only has half a life because he doesn't have a tractor. I, I may half your life. Is I may only without have, a tractor. I may only have half a life, but you only have half a tractor. I've seen your small tractor, sir. My small tractor has <laughs> it has uh, it has three point hitch on the back. It has a three speed PTO. It has a diff lock. It has high and low range, three speeds. It has everything that any tractor has. What are you talking about? <laughs> it has all the functions of a tractor. It's a small tractor, but it's a cool tractor. <laughs> True. What do we got coming up in our show today? Oh, we got all kinds of crazy stuff coming up in mm. our show today. We have Mon telling us about how she nearly became a princess oh. or, or a queen, a qu- an African queen, queen of Africa. Um, and so you don't want to miss that. Um, some very attractive uh, Maasai um, prince. <laughs> and um, what else we got coming up? We have, um, yeah, amazing Bible study, mm. some news. We're going to talk about the United Methodists and what they're up to in the US right now. Mm. And we're going to get into, uh, yeah, Revelation chapter 11. Get pumped. The French Revolution, Mm. amongst other things. Oof. Yeah. Anyway, stay tuned, guys. We'll be back right after this. In the beginning, you brought this world to life with only a whisper. Let there be light.
Welcome back, everybody. Crossing over to Mon, as we always do, whenever we can, in Kenya. Mon, great to have you on the show again this morning to tell us all about what is happening in Africa. We are wondering whether you have become a princess. Lyle, not just a princess, but a queen. I'm a queen. <laughs> Let me tell you what happens. <laughs> okay, so it's not all... Um, uh, clinic work that we're doing here in Kenya. So about once a week, uh, we do actually need to have um, at least half a day off simply because we, we run out of medications and they have to, our team leaders have to go to um, a pharmaceutical wholesaler here in Kenya because you're not actually allowed to bring in any kind of a drug. Everything has to be purchased here on the ground. And so they order them in bulk and um, you know, everything has to be sorted and, and stock take and so forth. And that can take anything from, you know, half to a whole day. And it's something that only the leaders can do. So when this takes place, the rest of us, we go out to play. Um, so, so far we've been having some amazing experiences going to the Maasai markets um, and, of course, going on safari. So actually we had our first safari last week and would you believe <laughs> Our van, our safari van broke down halfway in the middle of nowhere. Um, thankfully, we had a ranger who uh, came and found us. It was this enormously tall Maasai um, Kenyan and he had you know, a huge big gun. They all carried big guns and, uh, and he, he walked with us for a while and uh, showed us some giraffes. And it's actually really incredible because the animals really don't give any toss when they see the vehicles but when you step out of the vehicle and they see a human being walking they completely panic and run it's just so unbelievable it's almost like they think of vans as like or or safari cars as being like a buffalo or some other sort of animal just wandering around the savannah but human is a different thing they don't don't want anything to do with humans um but i'll our, uh, our ranger told us some crazy stories about how, you know, he'd been walking through the savannah and came across a python that was in the process of swallowing an entire antelope. Um, so <laughs> these are some crazy things that have been happening. But we have actually now travelled all the way to a different region. So we've left, left Akuru and we're now in Masai Mara. Masai Mara is easily the most famous part of Kenya because of the very famous Masai warriors. Um, there are 42 tribes in Kenya and the most famous are the Masai. And, the re- and I've asked why and the reason is because their culture is... Um, it's so distinctive, it's well-preserved um, and it's just... It's iconic. When you think of an African warrior, you think of the, the red Maasai blankets, you think of the beading that they do, the headdresses that they do, the necklaces that they wear. Most of that, and then spears that carry most of that is actually Maasai culture. Um, actually, I don't know if you can hear it right now, but I'm in the hotel reception foyer and just down the staircase, there's actually Maasai warrior dancing happening. You've definitely seen this on a documentary at some point where they stand in the line, they all jump ups up and down. Oh, yes. And um, or sometimes one at a time. Yeah, so that's that's what's happening. And actually, yesterday we had an amazing opportunity to to go to a Maasai village, still a hundred percent traditional, old school cow dung mud hut kind of thing. And uh, and they were outside. The men were dancing, and we were we were allowed to photograph it. And sometimes they don't like it. So you know how I told you previously that Kenyans are really friendly. Maasai not so much, and I think it's because they're sick of tourists coming and shoving cameras in their face. So sometimes they see a camera and they get volatile, which has happened to us a couple of times. We've learned now to get permission first. 
And um, but they allowed us to photograph this dancing, and then they actually invited us to dance with them. So I did some Masai warrior dancing, which just looks ridiculous because it's just me jumping up and down the spot wearing a blanket. But <laughs> I gave it a shot. They even put they even put a lion mane hat on my head, which was incredible. But Lyle, the exciting part was um, the dance was actually being led out by the chief's son. So here they still practice polygamy. The the chief has four wives in this particular village. And um, here it's not the firstborn who is automatically the next chief. The chief gets to nominate who who of his sons will be the next um, ruler. And uh, in this case, he chose his second wife's first son um, because apparently the first wife's first son was a bit of a drongo <laughs> and uh, it goes to the, the more responsible one. And uh, and so the, the chief's son who is basically the, he's kind of like the prime minister to the queen, you know, he does all the um, hard yards and uh, and he has a first, he has his first wife already but he's looking to get a second wife. Um, wives around here, you can buy one for 10 cows, that's the asking price. But he pulled aside one of my tra- one of our travelling co- colleagues, Diane, who everyone seems to think is my mother, and asked her if he could buy he could buy me for twelve cows. So I've got a bit of a markup. Um, but yeah, he, he wanted me as his second. I think that is a, a definite uh, confident taste there, Mon. You're worth twelve. Yeah, well, he. I'm super impressed. I want to know what the currency exchange rate there is. You know, like what's a cow to Australian dollar first of all. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so he actually wanted me as his second wife, and um, I have to admit, Lyle, like being a, being a Maasai warrior queen wouldn't be too shabby. Um, he was tall and dark and very handsome. I must admit, he had that sort of grey five o'clock shadow thing happening, which I really like. And uh, he did look pretty dashing in his blue stripy blanket. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the thing that the thing that really turned me off, Lyle is that, first, well, first of all, I'd be it's wife number two, second fiddle. Um, but even though I do get my own house, because I said that each wife gets her own house, which at first I thought was really great, then I discovered the wives are responsible for building the house and it's made out of twigs and cow dung and takes up to 30 days. And I was like, I don't think I can handle a month up to my elbows and cow poo poo. So I was like, yeah, skip that. And, uh, and then also you have to rebuild the house every five years because they only last that long before they fall down because of the termites. And the windows are tiny um, to prevent mosquitoes. And because there's no electricity, so they're very dark, very smoky and very smelly. Um, they actually invited us into one of the huts. And uh, even though it was broad daylight, outside it was like midnight inside so they they do it's a smart move to avoid mosquitoes but man i would just miss bunnings and the fly screen that comes in a roll um yeah so that it's not your average it's not your average uh macca's mansion that we're talking about then no, definitely not. I mean, they're all basically the same, but definitely not your average Macca's mansion. I mean, Macca's, you know, cow patties, here they just have a different kind of cow patty. Um, but it was still an incredible experience. And uh, and as we left, you know, he kept trying to shake my hand and, and um, try to make a go of it. He was actually really well-spoken. Uh, English is taught um, very uh, strictly here in Kenya, and they actually teach most of the subjects in English, whereas Swahili, the official language, is taught as its own separate subject. Um, so he was softly spoken and, and very well, um, very 
uh, articulate and, you know, which I, I kind of liked as well. And so um, actually as we were getting back in the bus and he was making his last ditch effort, um, Diane whipped out her camera and so I turned around and gave him a quick kiss on the cheek and thus got my first Kenyan and my first royal kiss, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious story. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, I, can't believe, I can't believe that you are worth 12 cows. That I, just, I, I don't even know what to say about that. It seems like it's just, it's just, is this a uh, is this a step up or is I'm I, I thinking that it is. I'm thinking that it is. I think that, I think that Mon, you should just take this and 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 uh, you know when you get back here to Australia and the next time somebody shows some interest, just sort of say, hey, look, you know, I'm. I'm Can you I'm, afford twelve cows? I am no ordinary girl. I'm worth twelve cows. <laughs> Well, I'm going to do some math for you. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to find out how much you can actually buy a Kenyan cow for and then times it by 12. And I'm going to get back to you next time with the numerical value of my hand. Okay, so if uh, if you're listening in this morning and you um, own cattle, uh, we'd like you to call in and tell us, you know, what's the average price, average price for a cow here in Australia these days? I just want to find out how much money is actually worth. <laughs> And just to be specific, they do have, I think it's called the Friesian cows here. So that's the kind I think that they trade in. (laughs) Friesian cows. Um, We want to know what are they worth and uh, how much is uh, is one worth. And, 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 well, maybe we should um, do a bit of (laughs) Maybe we can sell them off to the highest cow. Oh, hey, Lyle, before I go, can I just have a humble brag? Sure, go right ahead. Humble brag is all... Not cow-related. Okay. So today we actually went around the Maasai Mara um, Serengeti, which is just incredible, Lyle. This is in the top four of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to. And um, we were just driving around. It's, it's, it's insane. It's not like a waterfall. It's not like there's beautiful things that are ahead of you. It's like every single way you look in each direction, a 360 panorama, everything is just insanely beautiful and then didn't realize this was on the table we crossed over the border into tanzania i got another country on my count i'm really happy about it (laughs) oh mon 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 what are we going to do with you i'm never going to catch up now (laughs) Uh, give it your best shot anyway i better get back to the maasai dancing and see if i can't get some more cows out of them all right Enjoy your Maasai dancing and uh, enjoy your time over there. We look forward to catching up again tomorrow. That was Mon uh, from Africa, from Kenya, with her latest report, and we'll be back after this song.
Lauren Daigle with How Can It Be here on Faith FM and Lawson is here with our first uh, clue for the quiz. Yep. Yep. And uh, I'm just wondering Lawson as we as we get into this how many how many cows are you prepared to pay for your wife? Uh Enough. <laughs> Enough. <clears throat> See, this is why I don't live in the country. This is like because I don't have to deal with, with cows. With cows. <laughs> Interesting culture over there in, uh, amongst the Maasai. Mm. Um, fascinating. I would love to um, actually experience that. Uh, monsters having some amazing experiences over there and, mm. and experiencing the real Maasai culture. Yeah. Okay, so what have you got there for us? I really First hope clue. she gets some cows before she leaves. That would, that would be good. That'd be good for her. Maybe she can <laughs> donate them to a good cause somewhere, I'm sure. Fully. Okay. Who am I? Mm. This is a person in the Bible. The first clue is you'll 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 know this. It's all good. But in Luke three thirty eight, I am called the Son of God. Okay, I know who this one is. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> so <laughs> the reason I knew that you knew who this is yeah, is yeah, because yeah, there's yeah, a yeah, Bible... The clues, 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 don't give more clues No, 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 there's just, there's a Bible study which you taught me how to do in which this is one of the proof texts. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, yeah, you know who this is. But anyways, give us a call, 1-800-324-843 Everybody's out there and going you like, get a prize. What on earth? This is so obvious. There's only one son of God. Well, is there? Well, if if that's what you're thinking this morning, you can give us a call and get a prize. one 843 is the number. Do you get the impression that this might be a trick question? Ooh. Text us on 0491-064-669 if you know the answer. Okay. Prize coming your way. All right. Yep. Wow. So, yes, what? Okay, this morning we're talking about the United <laughs> Methodist Church. We don't have the United Methodist Church here in Australia. We have mm. the Uniting Church. The Uniting Church is made up of the Methodist Presbyterians and Congregationalists, mm-hmm. um, which all united together. However, in the United States, they still have the Methodist Church, which is called the United Methodist Church, and they are uh, just heading into their general conference session. Mm-hmm. This is a special session. Mm-hmm. So it's you know not in there uh, you know every what four or five years when they have session. Um, this is a special one that's been called called to deal with special subjects, and they have just voted on which subjects are the highest priority. Mm. Okay, so the very highest priority, the first thing they're going to be talking about is pensions. Pensions. That sounds fascinating, doesn't pensions. it? Pensions. Wouldn't you love to be in that meeting? That's like, that's the most important that's, thing. That's, it just, it's just inspiring, isn't oh, it? Oh, man. <laughs> It'd be inspiring if I was getting a pension. I'd be okay, pretty Now, the second thing, that the, the, the second highest priori- priority of things that they... And you need to just stay with me here because there's a reason behind all of this. It actually makes sense after mm-hmm. a while, um, even though it just sounds as interesting as watching paint dry. Yeah. But the second thing that they're going to be talking about is sex okay so that sounds way more interesting yeah yeah for sure so why do pensions outrank sex because everyone in the united methodist church is old (laughs) (laughs) oh ouch ouch (laughs) no this is not the case okay so basically the way it works is this uh they are facing a major crisis right now Mm -hmm. over the issue of same-sex marriage and lgbt uh plus um clergy Mm -hmm. the church is likely to split over this issue Mm mm-hmm and so when the church splits the question is those that leave ministry 
uh, as a result of that split, do they get a pension or not? Yeah, wow. So you have to decide pensions Oof. before you can decide sex because that might... It and and this is it yeah. might in it might have something to do with the way that you vote. Mm-hmm. Oh, it might affect yeah, your voting. Yeah, yep. So if if you're for the pension, you know, like if you get a pension, then you just you'd be so much more comfortable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So there's a there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a dark side to all of this. Mm. Now the way that it works in the um, in the United Methodist Methodist Church is when they have a general conference. Um, they have all of the issues that are going to be discussed at the general conference, and the delegates, rather than um, having an agenda that they simply work to, they f- they vote to form the agenda. Oh wow! Okay. Okay. So they vote on. Okay. So well, they've got all their agenda items, but they vote on which ones are the highest priority. Mm-hmm. And um, what's interesting here is that you've got one part of the church who has put forward a traditional plan mm. on uh, LGBT issues mm. um, and um, same-sex marriage. So basically, you know, uh, status quo, um, which, um, you know, basically says that, you know, traditional Christianity where, um, what does it say here? The practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching and that self-avowed practicing homosexuals cannot be ordained as ministers. So that's what that's what the book, the rule book says at the moment. This mm-hmm. is called the, uh, the, 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 the denomination's book of discipline, mm-hmm. which is basically standard, you know, Christianity. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> then, uh, um, so the, the traditional view is, 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 Saying let's stay by this, yeah, fully. Then you have the um, the one church view. This the one church um, proposal, which is um, supported by the Council of Bishops. So the leadership is pushing for this one, mm-hmm. and it's it is proposing that individual churches get to choose. And regional conferences get to choose as to how they deal with um, issues of you know same sex marriage and LGBT plus uh, members. So, for instance, if you're in a developing country which has you know very traditional um, culture, mm-hmm. then uh, your conference there. Um, in your region can choose, no, we don't do this. If you're in a Western country, which has a very, um, what many would call a progressive culture, then your conference can choose that, yes, we do do this. Mm. So that's what the bishops are pushing. And then there is a third push, um, and and the third one is to... Um, to do away with conferences geographically and create conferences that are united theologically. (laughs) Okay. So basically, you can attend one church, say, you know, in this suburb, the church in the suburb across might be part of a completely different organizational structure because it has completely different theology. And let's say that you disagree with the theology of your particular um, conference, then you just move one suburb over to the other church and to the other conference, but it's still part of the United uh, Methodist Church. And people wonder, they're like, man, why are there so many Christian denominations? And it's because people are just making them. Well, like- and, and, and this is my question is like, if you're going to go down this path, why don't you just form a couple of new denominations? Because in reality, what is it that is actually holding you together? 
Yeah, if if you're you know, rejecting, it's just like every man does what is right in his own eyes. If you're rejecting your own principles of the the denomination of that you're a part of, well, then what's the the point? Like, okay, so here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. It's pretty wild. Sixty four percent of the delegates there decided that uh, the pension was the first thing that they needed to mm-hmm. talk about. Fifty six percent said that the traditional proposal was what was the second highest agenda item that needed to be talked about. Mm. 49% said that the um, idea put forward by the Council of Bishops and the church leadership mm. uh, was the uh, was a high priority, and about 12% uh, went with the uh, the last option, which was, you know, that you have conferences that are grouping, yeah. divided up theologically rather than geographically. Mm-hmm. So basically what you're seeing is a church that is just being pulled in pulled into pieces. Yeah, this is dying, deeply, man. deeply divided church. Yeah. Which is which is really, really, you know, I, I guess confronting, particularly for those of us who are in churches that have not confronted these issues at that level yet. Mm. Uh, because we do know that you know it's it's mm. something that will be on the horizon at one stage or another. I mean, here in the Adventist Church, of course, um, the vast majority of Adventist men- membership is in developing countries, mm. and so it's probably a lot further down the track for us than what it is for uh, for these guys, which have mm. you know very minimal member membership in developing countries. But uh, interesting to watch it, and interesting, it's almost like a church that is just self-destructing over these issues. Yeah. I, th- I think it honestly just comes from a place of, like, not knowing where you really stand as an individual, like not having, you know, well, I guess not having a moral standard that, that is kind of, like, enforced as a group, or not enforced, but yeah, it's a, like... a moral standard. It's, yeah, where it's like, and I think I think that's the, the real point here is that if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to call yourself a Christian, then that means that you're going to follow the Bible. Anyway, this is Audrey Sad with New Every Morning. Give us a call if you've got an idea on this. We'd love to hear your opinion. Oh 
Welcome back to Faith FM. You're with The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. Or Lyle and Lawson in this case, because Mon is here in Kenya having fun without them. I'm sure you boys are having fun without me, but I am having a particularly fun time this morning because I get to talk about potatoes, <laughs> one of my favorite vegetables. Uh, we're here with Chris. Uh, we've just interviewed his wife, Ashley, just previously, and uh, it's now to, my, um, Chris is turned to have his brain picked, and we're going to Discussing a very interesting project um, that he's been working on uh, here in Kenya with potatoes. But before we get to that, maybe quickly tell us how you came to be in Kenya, Chris, because I know that your wife grew up here and then she went back to the States and came back. Did she happen to come back with a little American souvenir? Is that what happened? <laughs> uh, that's exactly how it happened. Uh, well, Ashley and I are both registered nurses. Uh, we worked in the hospital together, and we actually met in the emergency room. So that was where our first connection came. Um, I've always had a passion in my life to travel. Um, I've been to all the states in the U.S. I've biked my uh, state home state of Pennsylvania. Um, so I knew I was called uh, to be traveling for my life. I just didn't know where that fit. And then when God brought Ashley and I together in the ER, you know, I it just made sense. And, you know, after that, we started to make our uh, first trips over here to Kenya. And that first time that I came, I fell in love with the area. I knew that this was going to be the place that I wanted to be, uh, raise my family, do our ministry. So that was kind of hell. Uh, I got airlifted over to Kenya and Ashley's family had a connection here. So this was seemed like the, the best place to get started. Romance in the ER. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> or the ICU as we call it in Oz. But we all know what it is from watching American TV. <laughs> and, and I have to admit, I'm a little bit jealous because one of my life goals is actually to do all the states of America. Mm-hmm. I think I'm maybe about, oh, I want to say about 30% through them. Mm-hmm. But I still have a bit of a chunk to go. So I don't know. Maybe I'll end up there. <laughs> <laughs> you can mix some of those ones in the Midwest together because, you know, you go through a ton of farmland and it's like, did I really just cross the state border? So we kind of mushed those together. And Well, you know, one time I was driving from um, Chicago Airport to um, Michigan and I got lost and ended up in Ohio. So I was like, oh, bonus. I just did Ohio accidentally. Check that stayed <laughs> off the list there. <laughs> um, how long have you been in Kenya now? So this is going on our second year, uh, so we're about a year and three quarters through, uh, so this is going on our second year. Any culture shock for Mr. America over here? Uh, definitely. I When we first came, you know, we're a startup uh, organization on the Kenya side for the water, um, and I was used to working in the hospital setting. You know, we have meetings set at this time. You know, they would typically end at the same time. Um, and right when we got into our meetings, you get down to business. And, you know, I tried to do that when we came here. And that was just the, the total wrong approach. And, you know, everyone wants to sit down, you know, have a cup of tea together, talk about your family, talk about life for about the first half hour to 40 minutes of an hour long meeting. Uh, and then you can actually get down and start business. It's almost like ignorant if you get down to starting with business before you get into uh, personal. So that was just me being able to actually prioritize and say that we got to get through these formalities and then we can start our meetings but then it was that i planned another meeting the next hour if i had to meet with them and the 
first meeting ran two hours over. So then I learned that I can do about two or three meetings uh, in a day to be able to rare. I could do five or six back in the States. But, you know, it's all about, you know, slowing down and, you know, kind of getting with the culture. And that's just how it works here. So I can just imagine all these Kenyans laughing at this bazungu <laughs> trying to muscle this meeting onwards. <laughs> and, and that's and that's how I like I would be like, OK, well, maybe we can we can, you know, start talking about it now. And then they're like, well. We didn't. You, we, I didn't finish telling you about my family, and I'm like, oh, sorry, you know. And then Ashley, after we, you know, like the first couple of weeks, would be like, you know, that's really ignorant, you know. And I'm like, okay, you know. And then I just had to kind of get get with it, and you know, go with the flow, you know. Schedule extra time to hear about the kids. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about potatoes. I'm sure our audience is going, get to the potatoes. Why are there potatoes on the menu for this interview today? So what is it with you and potatoes? Because your, you and your wife actually came up to one of our clinics the other day and, uh, and just came in and said hi, and that's how we all got to know each other. And then you very kindly invited us over for dinner the other day, which was a fantastic break from the rice and beans. <laughs> They're really delicious, but it, I was hanging out for some pasta, and that's what I got. And um, But uh, very interestingly, you actually came in uh, into the house while we were sitting there at your home. And uh, with a bunch of I don't know, potato seeds or potato sprouts, I don't know what it was. Just tell us what's up with the potatoes, all right? Sure, absolutely. So when we originally came to Kenya, you know, we were starting this startup organization at Kenya. So we had vowed for the first year of our organization that we would be utilizing our savings. And, you know, just as a source of income, we had bought a property when we came here. So I just got into farming and, you know, seeing the, the need in the potato industry, I started producing uh, potatoes for the market, you know, selling them locally. Uh, And then I got to the point of where uh, there wasn't quality seeds in the market to be able to plant. So it was really holding back some of these farmers uh, to be able to maximize their production and farming. So I started doing a little bit of research um, using my personality of just meeting different people and talking about what we're doing. Uh, And I got to this one person that said that, you know, I have a friend who's developing this technology in the seed uh, production end of uh, the potatoes that I want you to meet. And so I met with them. I had some previous experience back in the U.S. personally farming um, and utilizing clones or cuttings, which we're calling them here. Um, So I had great success with them. So when I met with this uh, scientist uh, based out of uh, Naivasha in uh, his laboratory, he's called Osirian, he started introducing it to me. And I'm like, well, I did a lot in this. And we we kind of sparked. And, you know, we started talking about, you know, how this technology could be utilized in Kenya and just telling me a little bit of the background of what's really going on with seed production and uh, found out that uh, at some point in the last 10, 15 years, there was this disease called potato cyst nematodes that were introduced into Kenya. And this disease is running rampant uh, throughout the country, and it's transferred by seed to seed going from one farm to another, and there's a lot of informal trading routes that the farmers use here. So they don't typically do testing on their farm. So a potato with PCN who wasn't certified may have made it to their farm and unknowingly they trade with maybe another farmer that's one of their friends down the road because they don't have maybe have any seeds to plant for that next season and they're transferring this disease so i started talking to them about it well what's the benefit of doing the seeds through a cutting and 
we just started discussing it and there was a ton of research that was being done by this other organization called SIP, which is the, C- the Center for International Potatoes. And they happen to have a headquarters in Nairobi. So he then introduced me to some people over there. We started to talk, uh, started to do some trials on what we're calling these apical potato cuttings. So what an apical potato cutting is, is a, we capture a pure gene of a potato and we keep it in a laboratory and then and we do cuttings off of this immature plant uh, to allow us to be able to get the purest uh, genes uh, and unable to transfer disease uh, like the seeds do. So different from what seed uh, producers are doing now is that they'll have a mini tuber and they put it into the ground, they multiply it. What we're actually doing is we're starting from a plant which, you know, this is a huge potato producing area. So you go up to a farmer and tell them you're going to plant an actual plant in the ground rather than a seed. It kind of blows their mind. Um, so we started to do some trials here in Kenya through the Center for International Potatoes. Um, and I was able to be one of the only people in Kenya to be successful uh, to start producing seed through these apical cuttings. So that's kind of where everything sprung as a little bit of the background. Um, but there was also a lot of testing that we had to get done along the way. Um, we had to make sure that obviously we don't have any PCN in our soil to start with, you know, because we will be putting the plants that will be producing seeds that we do want to uh, start uh, supporting the communities with. Um, but starting the th- third week of February, the month we're in now, um, we're going to start now doing it on a larger scale. And my vision for this is to be able to have a full scale uh, seed production company with also maintaining some of my uh, business going into the uh, ware market or the um, the table market of where we do for the cooking in the, in the kitchen. So uh, that's basically what uh, we want to do here in Kenya because uh, there's a huge need. Um, I think right now statistics are showing that Kenya is currently only producing about 5 to 10% of the need um, of certified seeds. So we've been also working closely with some of the government agencies, CAFIS, which is the inspection uh, for plants, and they're assuring us that this product will produce what we call a breeder seed. Um, so that's the highest generation you can get here in Kenya. Um, so that is like a huge win in that we'll be able to start from a pure gene, be able to produce pure seeds um, to be able to then distribute to other farmers to assure that they're not going to be then spreading this disease um, around Kenya because I kind of breezed a little bit over PCN. But yeah, I was about to say, like, tell us what the devastating effects of this is. Because, I mean, potatoes, they are a staple here in Kenya, right? So having a disease is is devastating news to the entire population. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if PCN gets in your soil, it's, it's potato cyst nematodes, and you can look it up. There's plenty of research online. Um, but they actually invade your shambas, or what we call farms over uh, back in the U.S., um, and they'll stay in your soil for, they've done tests over 25 years, and there's no way to treat it. And what they do is they, uh, and those in the potato world know that, you know, they produce tubers so they invade your tubers and they'll actually start eating away at them so eventually 
if they continue to multiply in your farms that you'll eventually get no potatoes out of your farm uh, because of this disease. So it's a very, very devastating disease. And, you know, we're thinking that if we can produce these pure seeds uh, to be able to introduce to the market, um, that we'll be able to prevent any further uh, eradication of disease throughout the country. So there's no way to really fix the contaminated soil, but there's a way to get around it, so to speak, so that it no longer continues to to create a problem around the country. Do you have any idea, like, I guess, how much Kenyan soil is now affected by this stuff? Well, just because of the the informal markets and, you know, no formal studies on it, there's a lot of people who are projecting uh, Nyandarwa County, which is uh, one of the staple producing uh, areas of Kenya that there could be up to uh, 75 to 85 percent of the farms in that area could be uh, affected with this uh, disease. Now, one thing I didn't say about the disease is that it doesn't affect the people consuming the potato. Like, you can still produce uh, potatoes on your farm, but only to introduce them to the to the market for eating. Like, when you produce seeds, and that's one of the, why we talk about a lot in the seed industry, is that it'll pass the disease to another farm, which is what we want to prevent in this process. But some of those farmers, you know, because it seems like a staggering number of 75 to 85%, uh, but they could still be farming on the potato side and using some of these preventative measures um, to be able to stop the increased population of this PCN. Um, But as far as growing seeds on that area, um, you're no longer allowed to grow seeds to be able to give to other people from those uh, farms. Do you think that there's farmers who have no idea what's going on? They're just they're wondering what on earth is going wrong with their crop, and they're just baffled. And do they have the option of maybe growing another crop in that soil, or is that soil just like just done? Yeah, well, a lot of the the root growing vegetables they're kind of limited on on those uh, varieties, but they can move on to a different crop. But when the specific thing about Nyandara was the environment there, so the main staples that grow there are cabbages, potatoes and carrots so um, and the carrots fall into the same category as the potatoes so you know with a rotation that you want to keep on your farm to keep your soil nice um, it really limits them on what they can do but there is some aspects that they can go into uh, as far as farming wise thank you so much for sharing that like it's slightly devastating but still amazing about what you're doing the project this, this passion project you have that's just moving this entire country forward really if people want to get in touch with you to talk potato yeah. um, how can they do that well, the best way to do it is uh, look me up on Facebook. Uh, we have, uh, my name's Chris Gasperi, spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. Last name is G-A-S-P-E-R-I. Uh, I also have an email, which is through our nonprofit, which is uh, Christopher.Gasperi, G-A-S-P-E-R, at Ikenua.org. Ikenua is spelled E-K-E-N-Y-W-A.org. Uh, and, um, you know, I have my email comes to my phone, so I typically respond pretty quickly. Um, and I do have access to WhatsApp. So, you know, if we get the communication going through email, we can always then uh, convert over to WhatsApp, uh, you know, to give more of that personal touch. 
Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. Do people ever call you Mr. Potato Head? Or <laughs> have I just started that? I'd love to have been the person who coined that. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with Mr. Potato Head, we will be putting his details up on our um, Faith FM Facebook site. So if you missed all that spelling or those websites, just go across to Faith FM's Facebook, which you should already be following, and all the details will be up there. Thank you so much again, and uh, God bless, and all the best with the potato um, passion project of yours. Thank you very much. Yeah.
camping caravanning scene. Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18. Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 024994-3220 or simply email raynomads at adventist.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hi, my name is Pastor BJ, and I'd like to invite you to join us at Bunbury's Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are a vibrant church community that meets every Sabbath at 9.30am for Bible study, followed by a worship service at 11am. There are a number of groups that meet throughout the week where we eat, share and study the Bible together, including groups for families and young people. For more information, please contact me on 0422 896 553. That's 0422 896 553. 